Do writers ever fall in love with their fictional characters? Can fictional characters fall in love with their writers? This question was one that I answered over on my Quora. If you don't know what that is, Quora is a website where you people ask and answer questions, and I'm on there every day. I answer a question here and there, and I always tweet about it. Uh, Victor Rowe stories on uh, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, all that jazz. But do writers ever fall in love with their characters? Well, I can say one thing for certain. Speaking of characters, we're going to be trying something out this episode that is a little different. And hopefully it goes well. Later, towards the end of the show, I will be giving out, and I'm going to be doing this for every episode here and moving forward, I'm going to be giving everyone a character or a concept, just depending on the episode or the idea that I have. I want to give everyone a little freebie character that I would love to see some fan art of, that I would love to see in your D&D campaigns, in your stories, in your art, in music, whatever it is that is your thing. I would love to see it there. And if you're really staring at that blank page, get ready to eat it because I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you something to gnaw on. <laughs> now, talking to the, the question of can a writer fall in love with the character? Can a character fall in love with the writer? This relationship is very close to heart for me. If for no other reason than I wrote a book. I'm writing a book. I'm about to have one published. So this idea of falling in love with the character is something that, not something I can relate to, but something I can understand. And if you are a writer out there as well, maybe you also understand the idea that the characters are us. There is no character without us. So for our character to exist, for things to happen to our character, for our character to think something, do something, something happen to the character, it's all us. Hopefully I don't get it too crazy out there philosophical or deep for anyone, but, and I, sw I swear this, this applies to the main question. Writing has opened my eyes or given me a new rope to pull in the idea of God or an almighty creator, the origin of the universe. Now, I want to hit you with two quotes, just really quick. One being, we are the universe experiencing itself. Wow. It's pretty deep, and in every way completely true, since the atoms in our hands and our minds are the same atoms that make up stars and planets, galaxies. It should, we're just configured in a different way. Okay. I'm going to hit you with a second quote. We are made in the Lord's image. Now, is that a direct quote from the Bible? I don't know. But the idea is that we are created. You even see this in certain, I believe it's Incan or Aztec religions where we're made from the ground. The whole uh, idea with Amazons, if anyone's a DC fan, the Amazons were made out of mud, clay, and you know, formed. God made Adam and Eve from the earth. And all these, I don't want to keep talking like I know what I'm talking about, but the idea is that we're made. So in the same way that we can make our characters, every idea that we have about our creation, keyword, is that there was something else that created us. If we can think about the absolute control we have over everything in our story, I think that can clue us in on a new relationship with God and whatever God you believe in, or if you believe in no God, it still applies because when I put myself in the shoes of my character, I'm deciding what he does, what he thinks, where he goes. I'm retroactively changing it. And we could look at it as just one higher dimension ruling over another, but I don't think that's it. 
I think it's a level of creation where the stories that take place inside of our mind are put onto the page into symbols and then we're able to transfer to other people but if you imagine that all of, every idea that we have is fired as a neuron signal that travels and connects with other ones and forms an idea for your character to take the door instead of jumping out the window those are two possibilities that exist and that exist equally so even though you go with one and not the other both of them still exist and have existed in your mind and when you consider that creativity is limitless, doesn't that sound a lot like how the universe is infinite? How there's infinite possibilities? And so I'm not saying that we're all just kind of neurons firing in some unbelievably large creature that we call God, or perhaps we are characters within their story and we're given our own predestined paths and all these things. And I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but that kind of idea is what I want to play with when I'm talking about if we can fall in love with our characters and if our characters can fall in love with us. Something like this happened in an official Marvel release. It was a comic book about the one above all, who, for those of you who aren't superhero nerds, the one above all in Marvel is supposed to be the strongest character not because they're crazy powerful or they have these weird powers, but because in the canon, the one above all is the author. It's the writer of the comic book, the one who controls everything. And there is actually a comic strip. I'm going to see if I can find it. I'm going to put it in the, in the description. I'm, I'm going to make a note of that. But there was actually a comic where, I believe it was the Fantastic Four, where it was, it was able to meet the one above all. And it was like Stan Lee or someone and they had an actual conversation with the writer. And the writer was like, yeah, you guys are just, you know, I made you guys up, yada, yada, put you in a comic book, all this other stuff. And that's all I can really remember it from right now. But it is exactly what we're talking about here. Putting ourselves into our story and our story coming out of our thoughts and ideas and our, our story, our characters coming out of the story and to us. Now, they can't do that unless you maybe like if you take some hallucinogenic drug and you're able to manifest a conversation with the other thing. But even then, it's just yourself talking to yourself. But what happens in this comic strip is that the writer writes himself talking to his characters and has full control over their reactions to him and thus him to them. So they, he could be like, oh, yeah, you get they love me. So they're going to be like fawning over man they're gonna be like oh my gosh this guy's crazy look how cool he is look at his mustache oh my lord look at that sweater or he walks in and he makes him hate him but the point of the matter is that no matter what the characters think of the writer the writer has to write what they think so it's all still a decision and even though he's putting an avatar into the character's world it's still him that's a very important point still him so it's not some other entity that is your character now the only way for the whole writer character relationship thing to work is if a writer loves a character and i don't have any experience being in love with a character romantically speaking but honestly and maybe i'm calling myself out here i love my characters i spent so much time with my characters 
I feel like I know them better than anyone else. And at the same time, I, I don't know enough about them at all. Let me, let me tell you a story. It was at the end of writing Doppler House, my book that's coming out. You can read a prologue of it on my website, victorio.com. When I was at the end of Doppler House, I had to make them do some things that I didn't want them to do. And that series of pages where I kind of lost my friends. And I don't want to sound crazy. I, I spent three-hour sessions. I did two three-hour sessions every day for about a month and a half when working on the second draft of Doppler House. It quickly became, one, the only thing I cared about, which I had no problem with. But two, I spent more time with them than I spent with anyone else. I sleep eight hours. I work another eight. I spend six hours writing, and I barely have time for food or to do anything else. I was just writing. I was just learning about my characters. I was learning about the story. I was learning about their problems and what they wanted and what they would do. And when it came time to do what I had originally set out to do with, not to give any spoilers, but limiting the cast roster, I'll say that, I cried. Actual tears. I cried for something that I made up. And maybe I talked about that on another podcast. I feel like I did. But that existence of feeling for something that only exists because you brought it to be is so genuine and such a good point where, yes, maybe you're not going to fall in love with the character. Or maybe you do. No matter what, you got to remember that a character can't fall in love with you because it's just you making the character do that. And that leads me to another point. Back to the whole we create our characters to do exactly what we want thing. Now, let's think about this on a level sense. Say we as people exist on level two and the characters we create are on level three. And so while we have free will, we have autonomy, we have thoughts and feelings and all these other things that we choose, we can look at the level three people, our characters, and completely control them. They do not have anything else other than what we write. They do not exist for anything outside of what we conjure up in our minds and put to page. Now, if we take a step back from our reality and in the same reflection that goes from level three to level two, let's jump from our level two to level one and what I like to think of as God's dimension. And so think about it like this. If level three has no autonomy, has no free-flowing thought, has no choice in the matter, maybe, and just maybe, the thing that we gain from being a higher dimension, and dimension not being used in a literal sense, a higher level, we gain free will, right? I like to think that we have free will, in that our system isn't just symbols on pages and ideas put into each other's heads. There's three dimensions. There's actual smells. There's light. You can see things, touch things, experience different things. Our bodies grow, change. Our personality does too. And we live a full life instead of just what is written down on a page. And so we level up in a sense from being in a higher dimension. We gain certain things. Now, what do you gain when you go to level one? God's dimension. The one above all. Our one above all. Perhaps you gain omnipotence. You gain absolute power. Who's to say there isn't a level beyond that or a level deeper than the one that we can go to with our character's level? And maybe I lost some people, but 
It's something I think about a lot. And you can always make the argument that we have no autonomy and it's purely what we're written down as from the higher dimension, which one, if we took that literally and took faith as pure fact, we wouldn't worry about anything. And we would because, you know, we're written to worry about stuff. But honestly, if everything's going to happen how it happens, no matter what, and even your feelings are a predestined path, why struggle? And maybe this says something about me more than anything else, but why fight that? I don't see the point in that. It gives you a sense of freedom. Hey, like you don't need to face the world alone. There's your writer out there somewhere who either cares for you or doesn't. Maybe this is part of your arc where you're supposed to fall down, hit the ground, and the readers are supposed to watch you get back up. Maybe your life's a tragedy. Maybe it's a comedy. Maybe it's a story about someone who is extremely wealthy and has a good, loving family. Maybe it's someone who's built that for themselves. Maybe it's an organic story that we form as we live. So our free will is part of the story. Think about Sims and how they have AI that control each each of the characters and they can go around and walk around and do their own thing without your input and they kind of write their own story, which also does feel kind of nice. It takes the seriousness away from it, in a sense. Like, hey, you can mess up. You know, it's just part of the story. When I finally ended my one character. I had gone back and forth with myself for maybe 30 minutes, trying to plan the next two books out in a way that I could keep them alive. And I couldn't. I, I could absolutely make up a storyline. I could include them and it would be great. But the point was to take away the characters that you were closest to. That's That was my whole thing when I started the book. I, I was reading... Shakespearean tragedies in my English composition class. And I love that idea that all the characters just die at the end. And not all of my characters die, but there are some deaths. I don't think that's a spoiler. But it was so hard because I was the only one doing it to them. And I had every power conceivable to take away all the pain, to take away all the trouble, to take away all of this, the, the strife. And I think that's something else we can glean from our relation with God or a higher power or the universe, that even though they may love us or just because they created us doesn't mean that a good story is going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Doesn't mean they're not going to put us through things that they deem to be necessary. And it's cruel. It is cruel. I feel cruel. But I kind of get it now when people say the love of God or the wisdom of the Lord or blessings from above or anything to that nature where they're talking about how a deity that you worship cares for you. I believe it more now. Writing as a practice and Getting out a book has changed my fundamental understanding of what religion is, how to view the world. And I, I like to keep many schools of thought going all at once as to see different points of view and things. But it it's, it's a sentiment that I can appreciate so much that it's become my default belief that I am a character in someone's book, per se, that my relationship with a higher power 
is in every way the same relationship I have with my characters. That they're their own thing, but it's a piece of me in them. I, they wouldn't exist without me. And at the same time, I am me, and I am also them. And so in that sense, they're them, but they're also me. And if you take that relationship of reflection and apply it to our higher powers, if you believe in like an omnipotent deity, it's kind of comforting. Kind of. <laughs> I know some people wouldn't exactly share that sentiment, but I think it is. And hey, it's my podcast, so look at that. <laughs> Though I wouldn't be surprised if there were some people out there who made themselves fall in love with characters. Why am I saying that like fan fiction doesn't exist? Oh my gosh, that's all... That's just what fan fiction is. Well, of course you have like characters and characters doing whatever they want, but self-inserts, I mean. Putting yourself in a Harry Potter story or um, making an OC in My Hero Academia and inserting yourself among them and, oh, Kirishima, oh, <laughs> Midoriya, I love your hair. <laughs> it's crazy that that's just exactly what that is, and I'm only thinking of that 23 minutes into talking about the existence of God and the fabric of our universe. Because in that sense, you I mean, you could fall in love with your characters, but at the same time, it would still be you, you know? I think that's the, I think that's just the big blockade that you can't get past when it comes to characters loving you. It's just, it's not possible because it's always just you loving you. Which, oh, it, you know, that that is kind of cute. And believe whatever you want to believe. I'm just some dude who has some thoughts. And I'm like, who is extremely happy that you're listening to them? If you have your own thoughts on anything I've talked about so far, whether it be our relationship to God, to characters, to the different planes, if you want to call me an idiot for how I'm thinking, if you want to let me know that I changed your way of thinking a little bit or set you on a little bit of a path, please let me know in the comment section. But you can also send me any of your questions that you'd like me to answer on Twitter. Uh, it's at Victor Rose Stories. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll answer them on Quora. Maybe I'll make a, a video about them. But I love answering questions from you guys. I've had a few already. This question, however, was not. It was from Quora's AI prompt generator, which is terrifying. I think this is a perfect time to go into our character concept section. Hey, I need to figure out a name for this part. <laughs> Hopefully I can do it for the next episode. Our character for today, and yes, it is a character, is based on D&D character customization. And wow, it would be a really cool idea to just make stats and stuff for the characters. Let me, actually, let me pull up one that I already have made just to talk about. And I, I would love to see it for you guys. All right, I've got him up. This is one of my, this is my first D&D character. And I want to do this because I'm going to, I didn't think about doing this but I want to give this as uh, an option to listen to or just something cool to add for you guys because I like doing this, these kinds of things. His name's Daryl. Daryl is a dragonborn rogue warlock. Now, Daryl is by and large just kind of a meme character, but I who one that I took very seriously. Daryl is about four foot five, a copper dragon, meaning that he... Uh, his breath weapon is acid, but that's not what I like about Daryl. He is a rogue, so he gets all of these little things. I'm not going to go through the entire stat sheet just for the people who aren't into D&D, but he's a rogue warlock, and that's only important because the whole idea is that 
say there's an enemy camp, right? And you're tasked with taking someone out that's in the middle of the camp. You crawl your way, you're stealthing, you're talking behind boxes, you're climbing up trees, you're you're Im- Im- imitating guards, I don't know. And then you're in this bush and you can see your target and you just got to take them out, right? Because you're an assassin. And you cast Eldritch Blasts and you just fucking lightning going through and it, you just from nothing can't comes everything it's a giant explosion basically just a lightning strike and i lo- i just love that imagery of two, <laughs> two two guards just chilling they're just talking you know they got the night shift it's not too fun there's trading stories back and forth with each other, yada, yada. They hear a little rustling off into the side, but ah, it's just a boar. Not a boar. It's like a squirrel or something. Ah, who cares? And then the guy who they're, like, protecting comes out, start talking to him. They're like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Oh, yeah, it was in the night. And then from a tree comes a whole ass lightning strike that just disintegrates everyone. Not everyone, but like the guy that you were talking to, just dust. And it is not stealthy. It is very noticeable and alerts everyone. I don't know what to do after that, but the idea that you're going to like surprise Kamehameha at someone out of existence, hilarious. And the whole idea is that he's a, uh, he's a sh- very, very short copper dragon. And he really doesn't, he casts spells from being a warlock. Um, kind of as a breath weapon if you imagine like anything from skyrim like the fusrodas like everything comes from the dragon's mouth they're like spewing fire and stuff but here they're shooting laser beams and casting spells and stuff he he wears very dirty clothes not dirty in the sense that they're unclean but raggedy worn uh, older clothes. He's he's not too he's not too concerned with fashion, and he doesn't really wear a cloak or anything like that. He was a soldier, so he he kind of learned how to rub mud over his scales and stuff, and it gets him into the mindset. He has uh, extreme respect for anyone who served and who it shows to be a true warrior, that kind of thing. But other than that, it's not like he's an asshole. He's just he just kind of doesn't care about you. He's a traveler, he kind of does his own thing, and he doesn't have Napoleon syndrome at all. He's just going to put you down. He doesn't need to prove himself. He's he's won countless victories on the battlefield. He's lost plenty of people he cares about. My man is worn out. And the whole idea is that like the new adventure you go on with the character is just something that brings the life back into his life for a little bit. But, you know, he's just a traveling dude. He doesn't really care about too much. Uh, the war is over, so he's just seeing the world, making do off the land, all that kind of stuff. But um, very, very fast, very stealthy. And he worships a patron who I don't know who it is. So you can kind of use that as part of your creative expansion. Maybe it's a demon that... Maybe he died on the battlefield and he got brought back to life and... Now he's like forced to like wander around and there's like the enemy's uh, deity that did it because he had killed so many. He's like, no, you're not going to, you're not allowed to die. That kind of thing. Maybe he's immortal. Maybe um, the war, uh, patron is the God of war or something. 
Maybe it's a ethereal dragon that deemed him worthy to be a, a great dragon, but he needs to like go on an adventure to become more powerful or something like that. So he's looking for his adventure. You can do a lot with it. Um, the story aspect part of it anyway, but he's very much all bite, no bark. So he'll give you, he'll give you a yip. He'll give you a little bit of a warning, but if you don't, this is his main move, right? Since he casts everything from his mouth and his main weapon is his mouth, he has these think brass knuckles, but teeth. So it's like metal teeth that he wears. It's like a grill, but not like into his gums. It's just they kind of like rest on on his teeth to protect his teeth, but also to make them sharper. And I always picture them as silver and gold for some reason, but, you know, they don't have to. They can be like onyx black, like obsidian. Ooh. But it's kind of like a, yeah, it's kind of like armored teeth, if that makes sense, where each tooth is like bigger and sharper now because he has like this, this, uh, not dentures. It's kind of like a mouth guard, but a weapon, if that makes sense. I, I hope it does. So... What he does, because he's so smaller than everyone else, he kind of climbs up the back of whoever is pissing them off, bites down on their head, and he either kills them with that shot, or he won't bite through their head, and he'll cast Eldritch Blast from his mouth to then shoot down the entirety of whoever he's dealing with. Yeah, the whole point is that you're supposed to be very stealthy and then just cast what is essentially a Kamehameha onto whatever the hell didn't see it coming so okay this will be on my instagram if you want to check it out micro stories there's gonna be a link in the description to my instagram or if you want to go through my bio it's in a link tree but if you go to instagram if you go to instagram victoria stories uh you can find me there but yeah hopefully you guys enjoyed the character daryl i certainly do i think he's pretty cool okay so for news i've been looking into formatting for podcasts and just how to make short form content fun for you guys because they're really just i want to make something unique i want to make something that's me i don't want to be one of these fake here's what you need to do before the end of the year man and i that's very much what i've become just because i want to get something out but i'm gonna start filming myself reading my core answers and not the entirety of the thing i'm gonna read a little bit I'm going to read the uh, question, I mean. I'm going to read the question, and then I'm going to talk about my answer for a little bit. I'll leave links to my Quora in everything. So if you guys want to check that out, feel free. It's going to be on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube Shorts. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, go over to my Shorts section. You'll see it there. I will be posting everything everywhere. TikTok also, Victor Rose Stories, Instagram Victor Rose Stories, Twitter Victor Rose Stories. I wanted to use my Twitter as more of like an announcement platform for you guys if you want to follow that. I also have some things in the works for promotional content for Doppler House so that you don't just have the prologue over on victorow.com. You can have some very special things that I'm interested in. Very, very excited to record them. It'll be up on YouTube towards the end of the week. I'm going to aim for, yeah, I'm going to aim for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, expect two posts on the weekend and yeah that's that's it for this podcast wow or this episode it went by pretty fast if you enjoyed today's episode 
It would mean the world to me if you followed on any of the socials that I had mentioned before. And my website, victorio.com, is where you can read my prologue to the book Doppler House, a horror romance, uh, one that I am writing. Please let everyone you know know about this podcast if they're interested in deep philosophical conversation, if they're interested in writing, if they're interested in listening to some guy who likes to write, who likes philosophical conversation, and has a microphone. If you enjoyed any part of this episode, please, 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 word of mouth is the best way for podcasts like this to grow and get to the people who would actually enjoy them. I'm glad you've joined me for this long. My name is Victor Rowe. I'm signing out. Goodbye.